Welcome back to the Michigan podcast, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to women's sports at the greatest university in the world, the University of Michigan. I'm Zan, joined by Darby. And what a fun week we just had. How's it going, Darbs? Uh, it's great to be a Michigan Wolverine. If not now, I don't know when. <laughs> so you remember, of course, the TV show The Office, one of the one of the best shows of this century, comedies <laughs> of this century. Yeah. Yep. One of my favorite lines that I always remember from that show was uh, by Andy Bernard, who was played by Ed Holmes. And his quote was, I wish there was a way to know you were in the good old days before you actually left them. (laughs) And if that quote doesn't relate to the past week of Michigan sports in general, and definitely Michigan women's sports specifically, I I don't know what, what it applies to because wow, what a week we just experienced I don't want to do the research, but I, I mean, I have to imagine this was the best, if not one of the best, or I guess weekends of all around University of Michigan athletics in history. I mean, and yeah, you, you have times where we teams have won national championships, but then what did other teams do around that? And when you break it down, I mean, let's, let's give a nod to the men's side, right? Like, Wrestling coming in, what I believe, second in the nation at individual national champions, right? The wrestling team finished second overall at NCAAs, and Nick Suriano was uh, the NCAA champion at the 125-pound class. Yeah, and then you had hockey winning the Big Ten championship game in their opponent's arena at Minnesota, Minnesota being the number one seed in the Big Ten. That's just amazing. And they de- they dominated them. Which earned them the number one overall seed in the Frozen Four tournament. Yeah. And then what men's basketball did um, in the opening two rounds of the NCAA uh, men's basketball tournament. And I mean, I, I actually think beating Colorado State in the first round was, was somewhat expected, even though it was a 6-11 matchup, Michigan being 11. But then to do what they did to Tennessee – to move on to the Sweet 16, again, in dominant fashion. I, I know this isn't what we talk about on this podcast, but we also have to give a nod to the men's team. And, and when we talk about what happened over the last four or five days. Yep. The, the men uh, went into March Madness as an 11 seed, beat six seed Colorado State, and beat three seed Tennessee, a Tennessee team who had just uh, won the SEC tournament. It's one of the hottest teams going. I think they'd only lost one game since late January and the men beat them for Michigan's Michigan men's basketball fifth straight sweet 16. But then as we start to talk about the women's side and everything that happened this weekend, I think, you know, looking at the women's basketball team winning and going to sweet 16 is, is great. But then there's his, the history around this where, our women's basketball program has never hosted the first two rounds of, of the NCAA tournament. And so there's historical context, not just the winning that happened this past weekend by all teams. There's also history being made. It, it's, it's just, it was just such an amazing five day stretch. It was so 
Congratulations to all the gentlemen doing their thing. We're here talking about women's sports at Michigan. So we're going to start with the basketball team making history of their own. And for the first time ever, Darbs, you got to watch March Madness games in the Chrysler Center. I feel like I'm going to sound cynical when I say I never thought I'd see the day. But I mean, you just look at the, again, the history of the women's basketball program and yeah, trending upwards and Sweet 16 last year and everything. But even even this year, as well as everything was going, it's like, okay, well, we'll we'll see what happens by the end of the season. And here we are with with hosting the NCAA tournament. But I, I think the first thing to say before we get into the games is two weeks off did this team so much good. It was a weird, for those of you that don't know, it was a very odd schedule, I thought, for the women. You had the conference title games across the country. Then a week later, Selection Sunday, which was Selection Sunday for both the men and the women. And then nearly a week later is when our women's basketball team played again. So they they were looking at two weeks and a day since their last game. They got the three seed in their region, as we mentioned last podcast, hosted American University. America was just no match for our women. We were dominant. I, I think the, the first quarter was a little close. We had only scored 11 points. But something that you and I like to, to point out in games is when – our women's basketball team has uh, kept their opponents to single digits in a quarter. And so even though Michigan only put up 11 in that first quarter, they held American to eight and then it really started rolling. But you got to imagine that first quarter, you chalk that up to nerves, really good crowd over. I, I know there was over 6,000. It felt like more than that. Well, how the second quarter go settled in a little bit, 28 points uh, in the second quarter. And while they held American to eight in the first quarter, they held them to five in the second quarter. So even better in both directions, offensively and defensively there. But it was in that quarter that you just started seeing the dominance. And we just had too much firepower for, for what American had. An even more impressive stat from the first half of the first game of the NCAA tournament was at the half, Nas Hillman, 17 points, American <laughs> University, 13 points. Nas Hillman outscored the entire team for the half. I mean, we thought we were out of praise to just pile on Nas Hillman, and then she goes and does something like that. You like to you like to break down the halves a little bit more than I do, but like in for the game, Nas, as we like to say, constantly throughout this basketball season, Nas doing Nas Nas things, and her thing is getting double doubles, and she did it again against American with twenty four points and eleven rebounds. She she led the way for the team. Michigan won the game 74-39. One of the things that I thought was nice to see was Leah Brown had a very good game in only 12 minutes of game time. Mm-hmm. 11 points, six assists, two steals. My thought process was, all right, they're giving her some action, but they're not overusing her because this game is is not the most challenging of games. Kaiser had a great game with 13.7 rebounds, an assist and a block and two steals. Very efficient shooting for her. Overall, I mean, there's really not any critique or criticism of the team. They looked great. They were they were supposed to dominate this game. They did that. They won with ease. You know, they pulled back in the second half, allowed American to score 12 points in the third, and then 14 points in the fourth. And then they moved to the second round, the round of 32, to face the winner of the six-seeded BYU Cougars versus the 11-seeded Villanova Wildcats. And Michigan went up against Villanova in their second round. 
And this was a much closer game than the first round game. You know, you can talk about nerves again at the, at the beginning of, of this game, and that's evidenced by the score at the end of the first quarter where Villanova actually had a three-point lead. It seemed like Michigan had a slow start, but Nas didn't have a slow start, that's for sure. She had 16 points, played all 20 minutes in the first half, five rebounds. Michigan had 32 points. They're up 32-29 at the half. Nas and Leah Brown combined for 26 of those 32 points. First half, Brown played 17 of the 20 minutes. So she's back. Right. Yeah. And the I think the tale uh, of the story of the first half and, and specifically the first quarter for our team was some key turnovers that happened that kind of got us out of the flow of our offense. And we almost looked a little wonky. There was a couple times where I remember there was a couple offensive sets and I'm like, why is in, in one example in my head, why is Danielle Roush standing right next to Amy Dilk in the corner? I was like, there's just some wonky, this is the best word for it. There's just some wonky offensive sets and kinks that they had to work out at, at halftime. So it was it was a battle back and forth in the first half. Michigan was up three at, at the half. And uh, then the second half came. It was a very close game for a while. Yeah, till nearly the end of the third quarter. And then it seemed like something something changed. In fact, there was a play that happened in the third quarter that I felt like was the spark that ignited us and, and led us the rest of the way in this game. There was a point where, where Villanova was bringing the ball over half court and we triple teamed the ball handler and got the steal and I believe got a layup out of it. And I, I could not believe when I saw three of our players surrounding the ball handler, I was like, okay, KBA wants them to get aggressive. If this is the game plan, something, something snapped right there that, that led them the, the rest of the way in the game. 40 minutes in a basketball game. Nas played 39. Leah Brown played 28. Yeah. So our concerns in her only 12 minutes in that American game proved to be unwarranted as Leah Brown played the vast majority of the minutes of this game and played very aggressively. Well, and, and the other thing that stood out to me about Leah was her emotions were back. She was fired up. And that was when she got a big block and she was trash talking the Villanova girl that, that she blocked. Of course, she was doing what she does toward the refs. She want, you know, she wants every call. We all want it. We all want her to get every call. But she lets it be known that she's unhappy that she didn't get a call toward the refs. There was one point where Leah almost looked like she was bright red. And I was just thinking she's red with fire right now. <laughs> like she was she was raring to go. But uh, between the two of them, Nas had 27 points and Leah Brown had 20 points. So 47 points of their total, 64. And, you know, I mean, Kaiser didn't do it on the point stat line tonight. And so for Leah Brown to step up and get those points that we haven't seen out of her in a while was big, was real big. One one other thing to mention. So Nas got her double-double in this game as well. This was the 50th double-double of her career. That's that's a pretty amazing feat. Uh, now Michigan has to leave the comfort of home court advantage and move on to Wichita, where they will be going up against South Dakota, thanks to their upset win over the two-seed Baylor. And the winner of that game will go on to play the winner of number one, Louisville, versus number four, Tennessee. Second year in a row, Sweet 16, and we've just been grinning from ear to ear. It hit me when Nas Hellman was announced in the starting lineup at the beginning of the game. Like that's that's the last time we're hearing that. 
And as someone that's been close to the program, going to nearly all of the home games and remembering even Nas as a freshman, it, you know, it hit a little bit to uh, to know that we were hearing her name called for the last time in the starting lineup at, at Chrysler. And, you know, to, to kind of build on that emotion for a second, the four seniors did something very cool when the game ended. And I don't know if this showed on TV at all, but, you know, there was a celebration with Maze Rage and there's chanting and clapping and pictures and all that kind of stuff. And Nas, Amy, Danielle, and Emily all went to the block M and, and kissed the floor all in unison. You could you could see that they were planning it out. It was almost like one, two, three, go kind of thing. The impact that they've made on this program is almost unquantifiable in a way. And their journey is not over. And we look forward to covering it uh, in the coming week. So let's turn now to gymnastics as they went into their Big Ten championship, they were definitely in their top form as they have been all season. They won the regular season Big Ten title and they were greedy for more (laughs) and they dominated the fields. Well, so full disclosure, we... This, this started before we got home from the, um, the women's basketball game against American, that first round game. So we tuned in a little late. The first thing that we saw was Wojciech wrapping up her floor routine. And I mean, it was right at the very end. And uh, we heard our friend Liv say something about to the effect of not not the routine that, that Wojciech had hoped for in the Big Ten championship meet. Everything from then on looked pretty stellar, except for one painful looking thing that happened to Wojciech on the bars. This team just looked so much more dominant than everybody else. Michigan uh, won the meet with a 198-200 score, only team to score over 198. Michigan State finished in second at 197-050, and no other team scored over 197. Iowa, surprisingly enough, was in third place with 196-950. Minnesota had a very poor meet. Yeah. What we have come to expect from Minnesota. Yeah. And did did you see the stat that this was, I believe this was the first 198 in Big Ten championship history by, I believe, any team? No, ever. Any team ever. Michigan Gymnastics just keeps showing that they are one of the best teams in the country. So they started on the beam. Natalie Wojcik had 995. She is just one of the greats in Michigan gymnastics history. JC Vore actually had a, a bad beam. She had 92. She fell off of the beam. We definitely, and she was a third gymnast on beam. So we definitely needed that score to get stricken. And Sierra Brooks went next at 9875. Abby High School went next at 9850. And then Natalie Wojcik was up at 995 to start the beam. Naomi Mortensen had 985 and Gabby Wilson at 985. So that JC Vore fall was stricken from the score and it didn't affect us at all. Then we went to the floor. And as you said, you got to see right when Natalie Wojcik was completing her routine, correct? Yep. Yep. So did you see when she uh, stepped out? No. And that's what I didn't know what happened that caused the score that she had as a, at a nine, six or, so yeah, uh, Wojcik had a 0.1 deduction, so she had the 9.6, but the rest of the squad all had 9.9s or above. With Abby High School at uh, 9.95, they were looking good on floor as well as a team because they were able to strike that 9.6 off of the score. 
Then they went to the vaults and number one team in the country for a reason. Sierra Brooks in the five slot got a 10. And it was a it was one of those perfect routines that they couldn't, the judges couldn't screw up. There were four judges, the top and the bottom scores get tossed, and then you average the two middles. For Sierra Brooks, one of the judges gave her a 995, the other three gave her tens. That 995 was dropped, so it was one of the tens, and she got a 10. I mean, Sierra Brooks getting a 10 is, is awesome, but the other vaults, especially Boychicks, High Schools, and Morrisons, in, in my living room where we were watching this, we were yelling at the TV saying, what more do you need to give these a 10? I think Liv, Liv Karras on, on the, on the uh, broadcast said something like, one of our one of our women went up on her toes just slightly too much. I mean, that's what it was coming down to. And if that hadn't happened or if someone hadn't bent their knees a little too much, it probably would have been a 10. Both uh, high school and Morrison did receive uh, a 10 score from one of the judges. But yeah. again, they both ended up with nine nine fives. And then Michigan ended on the bars and Natalie Wojcik, unfortunately, fell on the bars and had a pancake landing where it was just arms straight up in front of her, legs straight up behind her, and then just smack on the mat. I can't imagine what it must feel like to them. And yet, in this case, Wojciech gets up, kind of dusts off herself, gets back, literally just jumps back on the bar and gets going again. Yep, she finished her routine. Uh, It was something I would never have been able to do. I would have just walked right off the mat and said, yeah, you can go ahead and give me a zero on this one. <laughs> but the rest of the team picked her up. They were able to drop that score and finished well on the bars. And so Michigan won the meet. Michigan also won every individual event or tied for the win. So they were co-champion of some of the events with Abbey High School taking the all-around. Sierra Brooks was named Big Ten Gymnast of the Year. And Michigan also had seven all Big Ten gymnasts. Sierra Brooks, Abby High School, Naomi Morrison, Gabby Wilson, and Natalie Wojcik were all named to the first team. And Abby Brenner and Reina Gugino were named to the second team. All around a great season for the gymnastics team with the NCAAs to come, where we're expecting, of course, more great things from them. They seem like they're primed to repeat. Yeah, this team is built to win another national title. All right, so now we're going to talk about some of the teams who are playing in their regular seasons right now. We're going to start with the lacrosse team, who last week suffered their first loss. It was a comeback win by Denver, and this week they went out east to play Johns Hopkins, which I will remind everyone is a Big Ten game. <laughs> Before uh, heading over to, oh, look at that, a common a common foe, uh, Villanova. Go away. I thought we we were all, we were tired of seeing Louisville. Now we have a new, a new other <laughs> yeah. school to be tired of seeing. And Johns Hopkins is ranked 18, historically good lacrosse program, both the men's and the women's. And Michigan came out with a win, 9-7. to seven. It was a pretty uh, evenly matched game. It was 3-2 after the first, 4-3 after the second, 6-4. Five after the third, and then nine seven as a final score. And then they went up to Philly, where they played Villanova, and this game went into double overtime. It was seven seven at the end of regulation. Uh, then it's 
uh, sudden death thereafter, I believe. Neither team scored in the overtime session. And then it came down to the second overtime when Caroline Bean scored the game-winning goal for Michigan. Michigan is now 9-1 and on the season, ranked number 10. I just laughed. Johns Hopkins. So if you've ever watched the uh, the movie Wedding Crashers, and there's a line where they say, oh, God, now, I can, now I'm missing the quote, but it's like, football and crab cakes, that's what we do in Maryland or whatever. And I think Johns Hopkins, I'm like, medical care and, and lacrosse, that's what we do <laughs> at Johns Hopkins, which is in Maryland. So it's, <laughs> Just kind of fits the the motif there. Crab cakes and football. And That's what Maryland does. <laughs> so the water polo team went out east as well for conference matchups against Brown and Mount St. Mary's. Easily defeated both, beat Brown 14 to 5, and then beat Mount St. Mary's 18 to 2. Neither match was actually that competitive i was just gonna say i think the water polo team is going to be the instead of the champions of the west like we hear in, in our fight song <laughs> champions of the east because they're seven and oh since they played their last west coast team uh unfortunately on the schedule coming up that changes and we're back to a west coast team but let's just win everything east of the mississippi and we'll be uh heck east of the rockies and i think we'll be good i think that we're on you're on to something there my friend and then the golf team was back in action as well Golf team bringing more hardware back to Ann Arbor from their various uh, various tournaments. They have had an amazing spring. This is their third straight as a team, top two finish this spring out of the first three tournaments. They played three tournaments, top two in, in all of them, winning, winning one of them. And they posted a really nice team score of even par over three days, to which they lost... Campbell University posts an 11 under team score. Pretty tough to beat when when you're going against firepower like that. But still to come in second in a tournament, again, coming out of your winter break. You know how we we do this with Nas Hellman? We sound like a broken record. Uh, With the golf team, it's Ashley Lau. She came in second in this tournament as an individual. It's her third straight top two finish where she won one of those. Uh, She was medalist in one of those three. She's just having an amazing season, but in this tournament, uh, she was four over, or sorry, four under as an individual. Missed being medalist by one stroke, so the the individual leader or winner of the tournament was five under. It's just great, you know. I when I was in school, when we were in school, I had friends on the women's golf team, and they were doing some great things then as a team and as individuals. But this this team right now is is firing on all cylinders, and they're doing things that I don't really think that we've seen. Too often, at least in program history for women's golf at Michigan. And then tipping up the good work, softball team playing at home again, hosting Toledo, followed by Oakland in a midweek uh, matchup for both teams, Tuesday and Wednesday. Handled business quite easily, 8-0 in five innings against Toledo, 6-0 in a full game, full seven-inning game against Oakland. Alex Straco had that win against Oakland. She is now 13-0 and on the year, and this team is rolling. Granted, it hasn't been the toughest of competition, but these are the games you have to win. These are the games where you get your team right, you get your batting order figured out, you get the position players figured out, and roll into Big Ten season. Yeah, it seems like the softball team every season has that one dominant pitcher, sometimes two. 
but in this case, Straco is is clearly the the ace of the staff. I, I think I think I heard somewhere along the line Hutch was was calling Straco and someone else like the deuces instead of the aces. <laughs> Hutch feels like she has two ace pitchers, but Straco at thirteen and zero is, is clearly right now at least is in this part of the season the standout on the pitching staff. And she's just dominant in her performances. I mean. She's just not given up many hits at all. And obviously she's not given up many runs either. So she's definitely one of the pitchers to watch this season in women's softball. And then tennis remained uh, perfect on the Big Ten season. They invited Purdue to town and won easily 4-0. And the swim team was at the NCAAs as well. They finished seventh as a team. Olivia Carter had silver in the 200-yard butterfly and a personal best time at that. And then the 400-yard freestyle relay team made up of Claire Newman, Lindsey Flynn, Maggie McNeil, and Olivia Carter finished tied for fourth. They finished seventh overall and were the top Big Ten team. So that covers the uh, weekend review. Anything else you wanted to mention, Darvs? That was such an exciting last five days. As a Michigan athletics fan, I'm exhausted. <laughs> and I hope we do it all again next weekend. I'm with you on that. And I would like to end uh, with one very historic, very important note. If you'll allow it, uh, we'll just talk about the football team real quickly and what they just did in breaking barriers and proving to be leaders and best. Milan Bolden Morris was just named as a grad assistant for the football team. The significant part of that is Mimi, as she goes by, is a woman. And she is the first female grad assistant football coach at a Power 5 program, including obviously the Big Ten. And it's something that we've seen across sports a little bit, right? Like um, in the NBA and in the NFL, but a little bit. And so to know that our alma mater, the football team at all, our alma mater at Michigan is helping lead the way um, with something like this just makes it, I think, even more special. And it, it, it's just cool. I mean, it really is. It's about time. This will keep growing. And it's, it's nice that the Michigan football program is kind of on in the early stages and getting involved in the early stages of, of, of this change that, that needs to happen across all levels. In all sports. Another glass ceiling shattered, and I'm proud that it was at our university, our alma mater, and we look forward to great things from uh, Mimi Bolden-Morris. So, Darbs, anything else you want to say? Yeah, to, uh, to quote Nas Hillman in a recent article, it truly is great to be a Michigan Wolverine. Truer words have never been spoken. This has been the Michigan podcast, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to women's sports at the greatest university in the world, the University of Michigan. Thanks for listening. We'll do it again next week. Hope to join us.